G'day guys, g'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. Uh, we're coming to you again in this amazing, incredible, crazy times. We hope you are well. This is, uh, what did I say, episode 218. I am your host, Troy McCubbin. Thank you for wasting your time with us. Today we have uh, part two with Josh Smith. The lovely, amazing man, Josh Smith. Great player, great guy. And uh, yeah, me and Bruce Foreman. Or Bruce Foreman and I, to be correct. How you doing? Is shit just crazy or what? I can't believe we're going through this shit still. <laughs> Wear a mask. Ah, uh, Or stay at home. <sighs> yep, it's like that. It's starting to get a little Groundhog Day-ish, right? Feels like it. Anyway, we've uh, we've got a good one with Josh. This is um, when was that? A couple of weeks ago, I think. We uh, Josh, Bruce, and I hung out, which was great. Uh, so yeah, you guys will enjoy this. And then um, we have um, a few more New York jazz cats coming up. Um, Pete Bernstein and uh, a few other cats. So that'll be fun. Also, we've got Jennifer Batten tomorrow night which i'm super excited about i've been wanting to get jennifer on the show forever so um that's gonna be fun with scott and bruce to catch up with those guys again it's funny man it's like um we've been talking about doing like more guitar wanks and it just it is it's a whole different thing doing guitar wank through zoom um yeah, we've noticed it. We've had we've had talks about it, and it's just such a different dynamic than sitting here in the studio. Because as you guys know, the whole thing about guitar wank was getting together, sitting on the couch, maybe having a drink, and just shooting the shit about music, guitar, life, whatever comes up. You know, except politics, which Bruce didn't want to go there. Scott does want to go there, but Bruce doesn't. Um, but yeah, it's. It's so different with the Zoom, because we're doing it through Zoom, obviously, um, with our guest, because obviously there's a delay, and getting jokes and that across, uh, the timing <laughs> fucks with you. It's it's so different, and it, we've kind of been trying to find our feet with this, but also just, it's not as fun, i got to tell you. I mean, it's, it's fun when we're in doing it, but... It was so much more fun when we got to hang out in the studio and we're going back and forth and shooting the shit. That was fun because everyone could relax a little bit more too and, you know, if they were having a drink or whatever, it was just, it was a hang, you know. You know what it's like, you go to the bar or you hang in with your mates, it's it's cool, but when you're doing it over Zoom and then they're like, you know, they're worried what they look like because they're, I have been filming some of them, but to be honest fucking boring just watching four guys sit there and shoot the shit I mean you don't want to watch it I I know I kind of agree with Bruce and Scott on this um, I don't feel like doing being a dancing puppet on video and I don't, don't think you guys really will benefit from that at all um, yeah I think it's better that just to do audio and as you know we just struggle with the audio part enough right so why add video to the problem but um but yeah, so it's it's a weird, obviously it's weird times for all. I'm not not complaining by any means, but it's just an adjustment. We thought, oh, we'll do a ton of these Guitar Wank episodes. And man, the days just go so quick. Um, 
I'm super busy. I know Bruce is, he's doing his Grumps TV. He's been, <laughs> Bruce had to make a huge adjustment as all musicians are, especially if you've been touring your whole life, like someone like Bruce has or Scott. And all of a sudden, you know, you've been told you can't go anywhere. You've got to stay at home. So I know Bruce was going a little nuts there for a second and he's, you know, put all his energy into doing his uh, daily Instagram choruses. Well, check them out. Go to Bruce Foreman Instagram at Instagram at Bruce Foreman, whatever the fuck it is. But, um, yeah, go check it out because he does these choruses every day. He does different choruses of tune. He just... Pulls it out of his ass and kills it. So check them out. He's got a bunch of them. And also he's got Grumps, obviously, uh, YouTube. Uh, he's, I don't even know how many episodes he's up to now. Him and Pammy have been doing that. Just to keep, because he wants to create. Because people like Bruce just need to create. He needs an outlet. And if he can't tour, he's got to do something. So support that. You know, any musician. We're all trying to do our thing. Um, I've been very blessed that my business is still going. Thank God I'm on the entertainment side of things where people are still watching movies at home and they're still watching a lot of product. And our job is to obviously make the music for trailers and all that kind of stuff. So I feel super blessed that we've been um, able to continue to work. It, It did slow down a little bit, but then it kind of goes in waves and stuff. And I know I don't talk about what I do that much. It's not really about what I do. It's more about... Bruce and Scott and um, them being amazing guitarists, but my company, Yellow Tracks, we've been, we do uh, a lot of trailer music, a movie, TV, film, it's, it's something I started, wow, 12, 15 years ago now, and um, it's grown into this amazing company that we're doing really, really well, I'm very blessed, but we, uh, wow, we just did the, we, looks like we've got the new Batman teaser trailer which is amazing it's a big one for us um we're working on all the big ones godzilla and wonder woman 2 and all these amazing things um yeah but i feel very lucky that my company has been able to continue through this this stuff and i'm uh, i i have some composers that we all work together and uh, that i oversee and blah 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 you know what i mean i'm just being grateful i guess in these crazy times and that's why I usually say my life hasn't changed too much except for the kids are around all the time and you've got to entertain them and schooling and all that kind of stuff at home but I've been able to continue my work at home in my studio which is I feel so blessed very blessed very lucky and um, yeah thankful in these crazy times because nuts and I don't even know when this shit's going to end or what the outcome of all this is but at least you get to sit down with Guitar Wank and listen to us bullshit for, what is it now, 45 minutes or whatever. So um, today, Josh Smith, um, we got, um, I think we have more of uh, Pete Bernstein maybe, I think. i got to double check that. But we do have some others coming up and I'm super excited about Jennifer Batten. That's going to be a great one too. So, um, so there you go. I've rambled on enough. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're doing okay. If you're going through, God, if you're dealing with any heavy shit, I send we send our heart to you guys, and um, we hope you guys get through it and your family's safe. Everyone's we just ah, you know what I mean? What do you say? 
because some people are going through some massive heavy shit right now and this is just a stupid podcast of us bullshitting about music but hey but uh get your mind off the the heavy shit of life and just makes you laugh for a second i guess we're doing our job i guess that's what i'm trying to say so with that <laughs> god what a long way to get around to that cabin Alright, um, let's get into us into this episode. What is it? Episode uh what did I say? 218. Wow man, we're getting up there. We never did have a party for 200, did we? We never did 100 or 200. Yeah, anyway. We'll keep soldiering on. Bruce, uh, I know Bruce is under the under the weather at the moment. I don't think he's got COVID, I think he's just got the cold, so I hope he's okay. Bruce, feel better. Scott's doing alright and um, yeah, we'll talk to you guys all soon, be safe out there Uh, remember Grump's uh, YouTube channel go check that out, it's a good laugh and you get to see Bruce killing on guitar uh, and doing all these great things as usual that he does, so you've got that his Instagram uh, with the morning choruses Um, our Patreon page you can go there, you can get the Guitar Wank Minute, Bruce Foreman, one minute episode or tutorial lesson, whatever you want to call it super cool, super direct and you will walk away after 60 seconds with something to think about and put in your pocket full of tricks and learn for the next 30 years or whatever, so that's great go to our website, we have a new website it's easier to find old episodes of the podcast blah 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 Uh, also if you um are a band or an artist and you want to promote your music to fellow guitar players or you have a product that you want to promote to fellow guitar players, hit us up, send us an email, you can get us at guitarwankergmail.com, make sure you put it in the subject line what you are looking to do, we get a lot of spam and it takes forever to go through that shit, so make it clear and obvious what you're trying to do but uh, we will promote and pick your music on here and we're trying to do more of that as well so um, feel free to reach out about that and we can talk about that with you but in the meantime let's get into it here's Josh Smith and Mr. Bruce Foreman be safe guys be well and uh, we will talk to you all next episode thank you for listening fast forward VS alright back into it All right, guys, be safe. Later.
got bedroom chops you know and that's so different to having stage chops and having your shit together to do a gig i mean it's just it's so different well you said you said it right there so the first two weeks of gigging in my life i was 13 just turned 13 and a band asked me to play with them this adult band and i'd played with them at a at at an open jam and they saw oh let's have this kid play with us yep Maybe we'll get better gigs a little bit. It's a, it's a novelty. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. I didn't care. So I was there. I go play. But within those first two weeks, all that years of practice, I still I had no idea that my amp was not high enough wattage to play a gig, that my guitar's intonation was shit, <laughs> you know, that, that uh, my time wasn't that great with other people because I had done nothing but practice in my room. My intonation really didn't matter that much. I wasn't playing against anyone else. So if I was in tune with myself, it didn't matter, you know. And, and so there, you can't learn that. Those things you can't learn 
unless you get thrown yeah, to, the, this, to the wolves. This right yeah. here is yeah. my perfect environment for me to sound the best I can be. Yeah. It's put me on stage, I'm going to be like a duck out of water because it's like I've got to deal suddenly with all these other things that I'm not used to dealing with and my sound sounds nothing like it does here. So yeah. it's like... Shit. <laughs> I didn't know you had to change tubes for for months. You know, when I first, I got my first real amp, so I had a practice amp. And that, that first gig was like, wait a minute, you can't even hear me play. You know, this is, okay, I have to do something. So then I traded it in for, I was lucky actually, I got a Silverface Pro Reverb, 70s, like Bruce's amps. And, uh, and but I didn't know that a Pro Reverb, my practice amp had a distortion button. <laughs> the pro reverb of course is a pro reverb i didn't know the difference so i took the pro reverb to the gig the next gig and i realized i had no gain and no sustain it was like i'm playing a plinky guitar or shitty i didn't have a good guitar yet and i had nothing no comfort zone no blanket and it was like so then i had to realize okay i, I think i have to buy a pedal and then a tube went out and it was like i didn't even know the, what those were that they were in there you know what i mean it was it was you don't learn that was on the job training you you remember those days pretty well josh I remember, uh, yeah, I remember all that stuff very well because I was, you know, uh, you know, whatever. It's my personality, but I, I was obsessed, and I was loving every minute. But also, I was obsessed with, with soaking it in and trying to get better, like every day. Like so, all those failures. If I would play a wrong chord on the gig, and the guy would give me a stink eye, or if I would step on his vocal or somebody else's <laughs> solo, and they would tell me, you know, what the fuck are you doing, kid? I would never make that mistake again yeah. because that 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 motivated me like no to no end. Like I wanted to come back the next week and show them I'm listening, guys. I got it, you know. Hey, there's something I got to ask you. I saw a little while ago. You got to get up and play with Eric Johnson. Yeah, dude, I was just like, awesome. That's so fantastic. How was that, mate? To step on stage with Eric? So special. That uh, um, you know, talk about a guy who's been important to me since I was a child. Yeah. You know, um, I had his pictures on my wall and had all the records. I, I remember clear as day walking home from middle school with my Walkman on listening to Avia Musicom over and over for weeks on end every day of school, you know, there and back. Yeah. And I first met Eric when I was 15, I think, uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. I was on my first tour ever. It was summer break, and we had booked a tour across the country. My dad, you know, drove yeah. with me and these three adults and my father. You know, we drove across the country. Anyways, we had an off night in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we had played the night before, but the the club had a good deal at the hotel, so we stayed in Des Moines the next night because it was cheap. So we stayed at that hotel, and a bus pulled up the next morning on my off day. And Eric Johnson walks off the bus while I'm in the lobby of the hotel. So I'm like, oh, my God, that's Eric Johnson, you know? And this is, you know, 1993. So it's like he's huge at this time. Avia Musicom, Venus Isle isn't even out yet. You right. know what I mean? And so I get up the nerve to go say, hello, I'm, I'm a young guitar player. And that was it, blah, blah, blah. He was busy, you know? So anyways, fast forward two hours later, we'd been on the road for a couple weeks so it's laundry time. So my dad and I go to the laundry room in the hotel, open the door, and he's in there doing his laundry. <laughs> so like, okay. So now he, he strikes up a real conversation with us. And so then he invites us to the show that night. They're playing in, in Des Moines. Wow. They were getting ready to go to sound check, and then they were going to play that night. 
So he, he gave us passes and we came and it was a special night for me. Watched sound check, watched the show, hung out. I gave him my CD that I had at the time, you know, my little kid CD and left. And that was a special night. Fast forward maybe two weeks at the most. And we're still on the road because I booked this. Well, I hadn't booked, but someone had booked this whole summer for us. And we were touring the country. And my mom's back home with my sister. So we call, of course, home every day to speak to my mom and my sister. And she says, you got a letter in the mail. And it says it's from Eric Johnson on the return envelope. I said, what? She said, you want me to open it? I said, yeah. So he got my address off the CD because it was our home address on there. And it just said, Josh, it was a pleasure to meet you a couple weeks ago in Des Moines. I listened to your CD. You have such a bright future ahead of you, and you're such a kind young man. All the best. Hope to see you again soon, Eric Johnson. Wow. I have it framed still. Like, I've, I've never lost it, and I never let him forget that. But I know he's probably done that a thousand times. Yeah. That's the kind of guy he is. But that, you know, I probably would have never given up anyways because this is my life. But some kids, that might have been the thing that kept them going and kept them a professional guitar player for life, to have a moment like that happen, you know? So I tell them all the time how much that meant. So, yeah, this year at NAM, I'm down there and he played the, you know, the Grove in Anaheim. And we went to the show and he goes, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, you want to come sit in in L.A.? And I had a gig that night, and I said, I can't, man. I, are you kidding me? Uh, my head was going to explode. I was like, this is, this can't be happening. You just finally asked me to sit in, and I can't do it tomorrow night. Oh. And he said, so I said, where are you the, the next night? And he goes, San Diego. And he said, I don't care. I'm coming. And he said, okay, fine. So so we, I drove, to, me and my friend James Santiago from Universal. Yeah, Life. James, yep. We drove t- together. And it was a very special day. Spent the whole day nerding out, sound checking, checking gear, being total nerds. And then I got to play two songs, including Zap, with Eric Johnson. It was like, wow, it doesn't get much better than that. Wow, man. That must have been a hell of a moment. I, I, I watched it, and I kind of had that. I was living through you, obviously. And that was really cool to watch you do that, man. It's, you know, I'll never forget it. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was the same when I met Bruce. That was kind of the same thing. You know, it was my one of my heroes as a kid. I'd listened to a lot of his stuff and then to meet him and become friends. It's like, it's really cool. But, you know, Eric's a really cool guy. Bruce is an asshole. And, you know, what what can you do? Somebody, <laughs> <laughs> <by there>, honestly. <laughs> Eric just seems like this uh, such a sweetheart of a guy, man. What a, what a cool soul that guy is. He's exactly who you think he is from the outside. And genuine and warm and uh he's that obsessed with guitar and the tone and he's all those things that you've heard and think he is, he is that guy. Yeah. Special. Yeah. And God, what a player, man. Yeah. I just in awe of that guy. Yeah. Super cool. So yeah, that was that was a, a special moment, definitely. You may, you probably stopped yourself there for a second and caught yourself and thought, "Is this really happening after all these years?" Well, like, I, I, it was unbelievable, and there was a moment where he played a lick, and it was one I knew pretty well. So I threw it right back at him, and he went, <laughs> "Yeah!" And I said, "Oh shit, this was amazing!" You know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's so cool. That's really, really cool. Damn. So, what are you do? What are you doing, Bruce? You making paper airplanes or something? What's yeah, going yeah. On? I'm writing this down. Eric Johnson. 
<laughs> no, I had some Eric Johnson experiences too. I, I opened up for him a couple of times. Oh, you did? I, I saw James said he saw you open for him up in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. He's a cool cat. So what's what's what do you guys got going on for the next? Well, it's so hard to plan anything, but <laughs> <laughs> what? You, oh yeah, man. What do you got planned? Oh, I've got I've got ants. I gotta let them out, man. <laughs> you got any new music coming out? You've been writing. Oh, uh, coming out. I don't know if I. I don't know. I got, I got the Apollo, and I'm starting to learn how to like get a sound, you know what I mean? I'll probably do a solo thing. You know, I've been working, mean, I was already going in the solo direction with my red guitar show. Yeah. So, you know, obviously having the Apollo and, and having like uh, James hooked me up with the Luna interface, which is like Pro Tools, the universal audio version of that. And uh, probably, I guess a solo project just makes sense right now being just the way the world is. I mean, I kind of have moved back into my house in Carmel Valley because being in LA right now with no, no clubs and no restaurants. I mean, it's like, and school is online. It's like cities kind of lost their luster for a second here. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that will change soon, but for right now, you know, maybe a solo record, you know, learn to get a real sound out of this thing and lay some, I'm really loving just playing the guitar, you know, and being the orchestra myself. Yeah. I've always been kind of a pianistic guy. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I've got a whole lot of stuff going on that way. The storytelling, my, my, my TV show, Grumps TV, which is on my, you know, I'm real proud of that with my wife. We've got kind of a whole, like, in a way it's sort of, if you ask me, it's, it's encapsulating what we're going through right now. Yeah, it is. It's super. You know, like here we are. We're stuck. We're alone. She's a great talent. I'm, you know, I, I'm the band and and the guy who's gonna rope it all together. The band leader and we're gonna just do it together. And we've got some friends who will play along on their. I put them on the iPad and I play with them. And it's just sort of some zany, sort of whacked out <laughs> home theater. And really, for for right now, that's what we got. Yeah. And and I mean, as as. In my opinion, as is, you can call it artists or as, as improvising musicians or as current whatever people, our job is to take what they throw at us and make something out of it and to shine the light on not only where we are but where we need to go. So I'm, I'm taking the challenge. you know. And also, I have these students at school. And I'm telling them, like, you can't let this slow you down. You have to remain creative and you have to stay on your – beam and you have to realize that whatever was happening before this started it's going to be a new normal after and you and you can have a choice to wait to see what it is and react to it or to be a person who actually creates what that is and in order for me to to demand that of them i feel like i have to be in the game or it makes my fucking sentiment bullshit you know what I mean? I have to like, okay, I may not have the right answer, but I'm going to be in there fighting right next to you. And I want you to find it just as much as I want I to, me to find it. And But it, this is our responsibility because we don't know what's going to happen next. But it is our responsibility to be the ones that make it happen. 
because you know, as as far as everybody's concerned, they're just as happy to watch us on the internet play for free. <laughs> you know, oh, you mean I don't have to drive my car? I don't have to pay any money? You know, whoops, great. You know, and I mean, I get I get all these guys for free. This is way better. You know, so um, we need to create that world in a very nuanced way. We can't really like replace the human community but we can we can point the direction for where it needs to go much like what's what people are trying to do out in the streets right now yeah they're trying to say hey this what's been going down is not good it's not working we need to find the new way to make this work and if we're going to call ourselves artists we need to be the ones that say that do that and take that responsibility and being wrong there's nothing wrong with not being the right guy the what's wrong is not trying at all. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Josh, do you, have you been inspired? Are you in a writing mode at the moment or are you sort of more producing mode? Writing is always very uh, sporadic for me. I'll have like really prolific weeks where I write a, just a ton and then not write for a month, you know. So it's kind of just stayed normal for me, the writing. Yeah. I, I wrote a lot the last two weeks for some reason. Part of that was because I knew I needed to because Eric was coming here. And we all given ourselves some homework on have this many ideas when we get together. and yep. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, yeah, nothing like I haven't been extra inspired or anything right. like that. Yeah. yeah. I kind of what feel are, like. It's you've been good. writing? I have been writing, digging out a lot of old tunes and trying to pull stuff together and kind of figure now's a good time to start finishing and things and sketching things out but as guitarists go i kind of feel like in this situation we are kind of like cockroaches it's like what you got to sit around and hibernate and play your instrument i mean we kind of did that before and besides the gigging this is what we're doing so you know i'm actually picking up the thumb pick i'm getting into thumb picking a bit more and it's a new challenge i feel like a beginner with all that stuff but it's been fun it's you know something different for about a day, I thought, you know what, I'm going to dive into slide again. Give this, give this, re brush it up, you know, become where I'm, I'm really comfortable on a gig with it. And uh, and then after that day, I thought, you know what, I'm just not a slide guitar player. <laughs> yeah. You're doing all right. You don't need it, mate. You're good. <laughs> What's funny is, you know, growing up, being pretty close to Derek Trucks, we'd known each other since we were really young, that I played slide a decent amount before we met. Oh, wow. It pretty much was instant from when I met him. Like, yeah, I'm not a slide guitar player. I'm going to stick with what I do best. <laughs> that guy's just another, that's just another beast altogether, what he's doing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So, it was his birthday yesterday. Oh, okay. I've never seen, I've got to see that guy live. God, got to see him live. But I'm super excited about this Eric Gales thing you guys are doing. That's, that's amazing. And Thanks. Um, I've got a project that's done now that, I, I'll cock block it because I can't say what it is because it's a secret project. But I, it's I want Bruce to hear it so badly because I think it's the best thing I've ever done. And I so bad. Uh, Alex played on a song. There's oh really? One, yeah, it's me, Larry Goldings, Calvin, and Lamar. But on one song, Alex plays upright on a ballad, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just I think it's really special. But uh, oh wow, I'd love to hear it, man. I, I'm gonna send it to you. Yeah. Now, how Great, Ale thanks. Alex is your is he your cousin? He's what is what Alex is Josh's cousin? Yeah, cousin. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my, his dad is my uncle, David Frank. 
Yeah. How how's how's your dad going, Joel? My dad, he's you know he's working a lot of these school uh, Zoom school board <laughs> meetings and lessons and things for the school you know district and all that. Yeah. He does a lot of consulting, so he's able to do that over Zoom. Yeah. Uh, he's good. He's he, all right. He must have obviously he was a big factor with you growing up and playing. He was there with sure. all the gigs. Yeah. Well, I was you know. For a guy who didn't play guitar, same with my mom, who does, you know, I, the only musician in my family before, you know, now Alex and, you know, my cousins was my uncle, David. You know, I didn't have any other musician. And he lived in California and I lived in Florida. So it was like, I didn't have any right near me that were playing music. music. So it was just kind of not a fluke because they bought me the guitar. So obviously they wanted something to happen. Yeah. But it was still, you know, a shot in the dark. But. Absolutely. Since they won, you know, they were behind it, took me to all my lessons, took me to all those gigs once I started gigging, you know, and I had to have somebody with me because it's a bar. And yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be there unless I had a parent. All those. Yeah. Very supportive. Man, J Joel must be super proud, mate, just to how far you've come. And, the, you know, it's it's pretty special when your old man gets, I know my dad kind of did the similar. He was playing in bands, so I would back him up and be the little guy in the background and then eventually he took the practice amp and i took his amp and i moved to the front and he moved to the back and it's pretty cool when your old man supports you like that so um yeah but well, him and my mother you know they were very supportive yeah and you know and it was like yeah but i mean i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them and then then even you know once i met my wife if it wasn't for her being the who she is and and the you know uh, supporting i mean the first few years out here if she wasn't working and, and this person she was, I would have given up because yeah. I was doing nothing, making no money, you know. And so I've been fortunate to have a support system basically my whole life that let me, you know, chase down this ridiculous dream, which I'm still <laughs> chasing down. And who knows if it, you know, we all have to decide what the actual, if, if we've reached the level of payoff we were hoping for or not. I don't know about that, you know, but I, as long as I can keep chasing it, I think I'm good. You you, has the dreams changed? Like oh, it's always new dream, right? It's a re yeah a recalculation of what's important to you. Which dreams you got to let go of now because you know that dream is that's not happening. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, which which are the new goals? And you know, so I have new goals. Like you know, maybe I'll win a Grammy as a producer now instead of winning a Blues Grammy as an artist. Not that that's not impossible, you know, but Maybe I'll never make the cover a guitar player, but at least I'll get in that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Or, you know, maybe whatever. You know, I, I, my goals have changed constantly. I never wanted to own a studio or, or produce records or all that. Now it's it's really important to me. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah, it's a it's a re reimagination of you know. Now tell me this: Does the missus? Because I know I get this from my missus. Is like, when are you gonna play us? When are you gonna sing a song? Or She's always like, "Why are you just you're always noodling, or you just just play a song?" Did is your missus a guitar lover, or is she like, ah, whatever? No, she. I mean, she loves music. I wouldn't. I don't know if she's just a guitar lover. She loves me, you know. <laughs> but um, I will say, the last four or five years, now that I have the studio, I don't have. To, I, now I don't have to hear anybody bellyache when I go. I could do whatever the fuck I want, and I'm not bothering anyone. You know, and I haven't really heard anybody ever say, 
Well, I miss you playing in the house. Both <laughs> <laughs> of my son as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's your son's name? Riley. Riley. Now, does Riley play? Has he ever showed an interest, or he's like that's no, dad's he had thing? His own, his own world and his own things, and uh, that he's into. He's actually, without getting into it crazy, he, he's had a very successful little thing that he's into. He's he's an amazing young man, and you know, it was important to me. He he's been hearing since he was. Four, the first thing out of his mouth when he meets any of people at is, are you going to play guitar like your dad? Yeah, right. You know, it was important to me not to make it like, this is, you have to do this, you know? I, I, so, no, he's, he found his own thing, and he's exceptional at, at his things. He's a special little young man. That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. He's 14, right? 14. Wow. Yeah, I got an eight-year-old, so um, it goes so quick. It goes so quick. It's like, like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got the body of an, or I mean, the maturity of an eight-year-old. <laughs> now, Bruce, Pammy, Pammy must be loving having you there playing guitar there all the time. Oh, man, this is what I call the mandemic. <laughs> Everybody calls it the pandemic. But as soon as this shit happened, I moved back into the house. You know, I'd been down in L.A. working, and I'd been on the road. She had, like, you know, the queen of the castle. We only got together to do gigs or occasional anniversary parties or whatever. And then, boom, I'm like, all of a sudden, there's this guy living in her house. You know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, it's been a real adjustment for her. It's, I've been, as, as you well know from my, um, from my poems that I've been putting out, I mean, the pandemic was the big hit has at least 20 views on youtube <laughs> and uh and so the mandemic poem and it is basically yeah she's and then i forced her into the show we do you know grumps tv twice a week now she has to come up with a costume and sing the song and you know contribute it's because she's really the best part of it and she knows it <laughs> and so uh her and the dog are the best part so it's kind of like I Love Lucy and Green Acres and Fernwood Tonight just kind of all rolled up. And so we're, we're just trying to work it out. But luckily, I've got the bunker. This is a shed out in our backyard. We have kind of like a couple acres. And so out in the back, I've got this shed and I do my thing. And so luckily, she hasn't poisoned my food yet or anything. I don't have to sleep with my eyes open, I don't think. You know? What percentage... Of your Netflix queue, has she allowed you to? I don't. We don't even. We don't even share that. I have my own iPad, man. You know, like, plus, you know, I'm not. Re I mean, I watch stuff, but I, I'm. I seem to keep really busy just creating stuff. I'm writing poems. I'm playing new songs. I'm, you know, ever since. Even, I'm kind of lucky because you know I was doing the red guitar, you know, for the last five, ten years, and it was getting more and more big part of what I wanted to do. So like I was going in a solo direction. So just playing the guitar and kind of being the orchestra versus playing in a band, even though I still had my trio and junkyard duo and other bands I played with, I was also cultivating a solo thing as, as both a player and an, and an entertainer. And so when this kind of happened, I mean, it's almost like, well, it's just more time to kind of work on that, you know. And when, when the world opens up, I'll be glad to get back to playing in bands and trios and duos. But right now, I'm kind of just here in this world. And, you know, you, you get lemons, you make lemonade, basically, you know.
Josh, is your missus kind of like it's a bit of a change for her to have you home all the time? And yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> She's like, uh, when uh, when do you leave? When when is it opening yeah, up? It's not often I'm home for this extended amount of time. So they, you know, they have their own routine that they've, you know, as far as like his school and yeah. her work and the things that they do, you know, and. Yeah, when I'm home, I'm part of that routine. But normally, I come and go a lot. Yeah, know? right. So it has it has changed, you know, the way. But also, the I pandemic, mean, baby. It's the pandemic. I'll be 100 percent honest too. I mean, we already keep different hours than most families do. Even my son. Yep. You know, because he was working, he, he you know he acted on a big television show for a while, and now he's, he's the show ended. So now he's mostly doing school, but he got used to. He had to have a very flexible school schedule, so he was mostly online school. Um, so now that's what we do. So it's always been, if he was working, he does school on set. But when he's home, it, wasn't, it didn't bother us if he slept in and he did school on his own time, you know, and went to bed later than most kids would go to bed. Well, the pandemic has made that now where everybody in the house is just up till 3 in the morning every day. <laughs> wake up at 12 or 1 in the afternoon. You yeah, know? just a different, uh, just moved around a bit, right? Yeah. Where where do you, where do you keep the bar? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. does um has is does that look like any of that's going to open up for him th- that that world? Well, nothing. I mean, he's had since the, in this last four months, he's had w- one or two auditions, and they're just by tape. Yeah. So take him out in the studio and video him, you know, and he does a hi, I'm his name and the, whatever they call it, the cue, the slate, and yep. Like, the slate and then he does the audition you know and i'm we email it off um so yeah i'm sure that whole industry just like ours is, is hurting you yeah know? yeah it's uh it has to come back you know that's and i you know without saying rightfully so i understand it you yeah. know like yeah we're, we're um my business we've been working on all the trailers we do a lot of trailer music and stuff so we've been working on we just started working on uh the the new batman that's coming out next year right but yeah man it's it's that whole industry there everything's changing because how they're releasing movies now and what how they're going to advertise and it's just it's kind of all up in the air we don't know what's going on yeah because even when it you know i they announced actually today movie theaters can open on starting on friday oh wow amcs aren't going to even open because the the guidelines are so strict, it's like you ha- you can only have twenty five percent occupancy. You can only have you have to have this much time between showings. You have to have this much extra personnel working to basically herd people in and out. You know, without the people coming in being close to the people going out. You have wow. to have masks on at all times, even in the theater, like in between eating. And so it's like, who's going to be in charge of that with the flashlight? And you know, so I saw AMC stay. We don't, you know, we're not sure when we're going to open. We're waiting, you know. God, that's a big business. That's a big business that's just sitting there right now. You know, we've got to wait. We got to wait because, like, let's face it, between Memorial Day and what happened there, and then all these protests would happen there. We got to wait a week to see. It's probably longer. It's probably a, a two weeks to a month of things, or if maybe we just got lucky and because of the summer normal way viruses kind of go dormant. We get we dodged a bullet, but right now there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and will be answered over the next ten days. I predict. I, yeah. yeah. So um, 
Bruce, can I ask you a, a, a historical Bruce question? A historical what question? A historical Bruce question. Oh, sure, man. You can ask a hysterical Bruce question if you are. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm curious. What was the... What was the first thing that, that like piqued your ear when you picked up a guitar? Like, what was the first guitar thing that you had to learn? The first guitar thing that I had to learn, I think the first guitar thing I learned was Louie Louie. Yeah, okay. I that mean, the very sense. first thing when somebody gave me a guitar and wanted to show me something was Louie Louie. Okay. What was yours, yeah, Josh? Well, the first thing I learned was Michelle, the Beatles. Oh, wow. I very clearly playing. Da, 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 da. That's definitely the first thing I ever learned on guitar. Yeah. I think mine Not because it was my choice. Either somebody put the paper in front of me, or uh, my dad asked me to learn it, or so I don't remember exactly. But right, well, you know, I had played piano for like six or seven years before I had a guitar. Oh, okay. I didn't so know. I mean, I played Chopin and Bach, and you know, various typical kids repertoire of, of piano and then somebody just gave me a guitar and said well this is kind of the way it works and they showed me the bar chord and they should you can do louis louis just like this and that's kind of where i started with the guitar you know? and then okay so then with jazz what what was the first head that you just had to learn you heard it and i have to learn that head like that oh was man it was called prince albert it's a uh, <laughs> no no it, it, it's, it's a kind it, it's a hey, yeah. uh, you're a nub <laughs> okay okay it's it's a what, what people call a contrafact it's a uh, it's a melody based on a jet on another famous standard you know right. but the same changes but it's a yeah. different melody yeah. And it, it's based on all the things you are. Okay. And I kind of really got into jazz. I heard Charlie Parker and uh, got into the school stage band. And that was the chart we played. And I heard this melody and it was such a great melody. And I just like went, well, I mean, I love Bird and I love the excitement of it. But this was the first one I like heard exactly how the changes related to the melody you know what i mean everything made sense gotcha it's like oh this is how it works you know and then from then it's like to today you can draw a straight line you know? yeah that's cool i always wanted to ask you that i don't know why yeah i mean you should check out that song it's it was done by uh recorded by the jazz messengers back when horace silver and art blakey were both and they were like, like Art Blakey hadn't taken over the band. They were kind of co-leaders. Right, so it wasn't Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. No, it was the Jazz Messengers. Yeah. And Horace Silver and Art Blakey were very young. And there was like a record called Live at Cafe Bohemia. There was like two nights or something. And oh, that's Prince Albert yeah, one. And the song is by a guy named Kenny Dorham, who's a trumpet player, who was the trumpet player on that record. And um, it's just this beautiful melody. It almost, you'll, you'll hear like, remnants of how of uh of uh fly me to the moon in it you know i mean it's that melodic and that perfect you know okay all right cool yeah well josh what was your first departure from the blues uh it was definitely charlie parker it was either now's the time or bloom dito okay blues you know yeah now, did you ever go through a time when you got right into pop and other stuff as well, or were you pretty much hardcore into the blues? I got into um, 
I, I will say I was in the metal for sure. You know, I, it was unavoidable. Yeah. That's the years I was coming up, you know, and uh, so I listened to that stuff. You who, know? who was your metal god? Who was my metal gods? I was Steve Vai all the way was yeah. my hero. Yeah. You know? Have you played with Steve? Never played with Steve. Yeah. I met him a few times, but never played with him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I I had I had the Columbia House membership, and I had all the tapes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think sick. I even paid for him. I was a sucker. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, for me, it was the the path was like blues, 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 rock and roll. But blues-based rock, so, you know, Stones, Beatles, but Allman Brothers, mm -hmm. ZZ Top. Mm -hmm. um, then it was, it was like Stax and Motown, soul, R&B, funk. That was the next thing that really got me. Um, and then jazz. And then after jazz, it was country, but mostly because of country guys who played jazz, like the technique and the, like Danny Gatton and, and those type of guys, like hearing the, the, all that technique added to vocabulary I was already listening to and things like that. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was kind of my order, I guess. I just got attacked by a cat. Um, <laughs> Scotty, Scotty Anderson, you ever come across? Yeah. Yeah, I actually saw him play when I was really young. Blew my mind, oh. you know? Because I had – so Danny Gatton, when he passed, he had recently just made a statement about Scotty Anderson in a guitar magazine. One line. He just said – they asked him what he wanted to do in the future, and he said, oh, I got this going and this, and I'd really like to record with this guitar player I just met, Scotty Anderson in Ohio. He's really great. So uh, I thought, well, fuck, if Danny Gatton just said, you're really great, I need to know who that is, you know? So there was no internet yet, so I, I don't remember how exactly I found it. But we were on tour, and I, I, I want to say Cincinnati is where yeah. he's from, and I found out he played like a Holiday Inn gig in Cincinnati four nights a week or something, and we went. We went and I saw that it was like a 7 p.m. gig. And yeah, it was, you know, he plays with, with finger picks and it's those triple stops and those. Oh. It's, yeah, it was, I didn't understand what was happening at the time. But yeah, I just knew, wow, that's crazy. You know? Mind blowing guitar player. I mean, he's, to me, he's, he's right there with Danny Gatton. He's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you get to meet Danny? No, no, I never met Danny. He, he uh, passed away. I guess it would be like what ninety two or something mm, like that yeah. ninety three, um, and I never got to see him or hear him play. Um, the thing about Danny that got me was yeah he had the vocabulary he had technique and facility I'd never I still never heard anybody have, um, but also I could tell when I was listening to him he was like a complete open book he played whatever he heard right that second no he didn't care if it was a TV show theme song or the weirdest thing in the world over this chord or whatever. He just, you could tell it was like honest. That's what he heard. He played it. No filter. Totally, you know, not afraid to be funny yep. or out. And, and that registered big time with me. Yeah. So yeah. do you have, um, over the years, I mean, God, man, you're on the road all those years growing up as a kid and that you must've come across and seen some amazing Obviously, some of your heroes, but amazing shows. That any shows that stick out in your mind that is like was life changing for you? Uh, yeah, the the most life changing show I ever saw was Kenny Garrett with Kenny Kirkland and Brian Blade 
I mean, with Tane Watts, Tane Watts, Kenny Kirkland, Kenny Garrett, and uh, Nat Reeves. And it was that's the best show I've ever seen in my entire life. I was twelve, I wow. think, and uh, I, I, I'd never because it didn't matter to me the style of music because by that point I liked it, everything already even, and I'd never seen like someone so in the moment listening to Kenny and Kenny blow like that. I was like, well, I, I guess that's the goal. Mm. Like to just keep playing like that. And Kenny at that gig did something incredible. Garrett. I mean, Kirkland was unbelievable, right? But Kenny Garrett, at the end of the gig, he walked off stage. It's a little club, you know, jazz club. And he walked in the back room. And, you know, the rest of the band's shaking hands and talking and blah, blah, blah. And he played for 30 minutes by himself in the back, just screaming. Like he had to still get something out. And it made an impression like, whoa. Look how much this dude cares. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Bruce, do you have a gig that stands out in your lifetime that... Wow. So many. I mean, God, you know what I mean? We don't have enough time. <laughs> you know, I, I mean... You know, I mean, I remember seeing George Benson and just like not believing that, that that humans could go there. Mm. You know, I mean, I remember hearing, you know, Finest Newborn. I don't know if you know who that is, a piano player from <laughs> Memphis. And just, and he was not in good, good space, you know, mentally. He was kind of gone. But the shit he was playing was like, Oscar Peterson, Oscar Peterson and Art Tatum on steroids. And it was... And it was swinging in a different way, in a more like beboppy kind of way. And um, shit, man, I you know I saw Herbie and you know with Wayne and Freddie Hubbard, you know, and Tony Williams Oof. and Ron Carter, that VSOP band wow. back in nineteen seventy. God, it must have been seventy eight, seventy six. Man, no, seventy six. It was seventy six. Was this bicentennial? Wow. You know, I heard that band when they first got started, man. It That's amazing. Like, Damn. The kind of shit that you just don't, you know. See, I, I mean, for, I, like, my heroes, I didn't get to see Stevie Ray. I was 10. I didn't get to see Albert King, you know. Right. I, I, I saw Albert Collins. That was important to me. Uh, I saw BB many times, which was important to me on a number of levels. Number one is really emotional. Number two, I got to open for him a bunch when I was really young, wow. and I got to see like not just the the music side, but he was like incredibly professional and so kind to everybody. That made a big impression on me. Um, I saw Oscar Peterson one time. It was right at the end, though. So uh, he, you know, you don't want to say he wasn't Oscar Peterson, but he wasn't. He wasn't. You know, it was it was great, but it wasn't like was it after like the stroke? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was a hard time. That was a hard thing to watch. And I learned a lot from watching him because, you know, one night, I mean, I, I used to be the all-star guitarist at the Monterey Jazz Festival. And one night they had kind of the, uh, the, the night was like the night celebrating the piano. And it was all the old guys. It was like Dave Brubeck, who was almost 90 at that point, Hank Jones in his 80s, and Oscar, who's in his 70s, but he'd already had the stroke. And uh, I, it was a, it was a illuminating and 
painful evening. Uh, Dave Brubeck got up and like was totally aware of his shortcomings at that point of being 90, you know what I mean? <laughs> Played his hits, kept it easy, let the band do the work, you know what I mean? And really superior show, but, you know, nothing, you know, yeah. from that. It was the other guys that carried the weight. Hank Jones was just like the elegant statesman that he always was, but he wasn't, he was, you know, he wasn't the Hank Jones of, 20 years before that. Yeah. And then Oscar got up and he tried, it was kind of like he tried to be the Oscar of 40 years before. And he looked so unhappy. I mean, the whole, the whole show, it was painful for me because I'd played with him before that. And I just had to leave because it was like, you know, he just couldn't come to grips with, this was Oscar, this is Oscar, but he's still trying to play that like Nigerian marketplace, all that stuff that had all that two-handed stuff, and he was basically one-handed because of the stroke. And the band was trying to help, but mm. he looked like a guy that had just gotten like his, you know, his birthday party got rained out or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, it was really sad and hurt big time because I, I just love Oscar Peterson and what he's done for the world of music is like no one can ever you know it's like the pinnacle yeah. but to see that you know I just had to leave I was like in tears I just had to go and watch him be so unhappy but it was also a learning experience like the other two guys had come to grips with where they were and knew how to work around it mm. and he hadn't quite you know, because we as musicians, we don't give up a fight. You know, I'm, I'd be that guy. You know, some young kid's going to come up my ass and going to fucking clean my clock, you know, because I'm just older now, you know. And at the same time, I ain't giving up. Fuck that <laughs> motherfucker. I'm going for it, you know. But yeah. there comes a point when you're presenting your music to the world that you have to be realistic with what you can accomplish and then therefore be strategic about how you deliver it so that it's equally impactful as everything you've ever done you're just doing the workarounds because that's part of the creative process it's not just hearing what we hear but it's also dealing with our shortcomings in order to make it happen well let me ask you this because this is a subject that i do think about and I'm not calling you old, but you've said it a couple of times tonight. You're older than us. Sure, no, the no. The thing is that you're oh. older than than me. Um, yeah. You play fucking unbelievable. And I swear you get better all the time. And I'm obsessed, not obsessed, but worried all the time. Because what's funny, starting so young, I've been able to see complete arcs of people I respect. Who, when I first saw them, were in their prime. And now they're not even close to the musician they, they were. And they're not that old, you know what I mean? So I, I do wonder and try to understand what makes the difference to, to stay so sharp. Like you look at Les Paul and guys like that that played relatively great up until the very end. And then other guys who just, you know, go like this. Yeah. And I just wonder, what, do you even worry about that? Or do you let it take care of itself because you play so much? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I believe a lot of it is what you're talking about, playing a lot. And and up to, and, 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 and I would be lying to you if I didn't say I don't have a little bit of consternation because of 
the shutdown as of what three months ago now um, about my gig chops, my stamina, my clarity, you know, I mean, and I'm not as old as, you know, like less at 90, but you know, um, I do, you know, I had, I had more stamina on March 12th than most guys 22. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And I, and I have lots of energy. And, and so a lot of what I do is to keep that going by playing a lot. And a lot of it is just the fact that I play a lot because I love to play. Not because I have to keep it up because I'm afraid of the young bucks who are going to take over. You know, I'm not on some high enough pedestal where I have to worry about being the top dog and having somebody come get my shit. I'm, in a way, that's a kind of a luxurious place to be. I just play, and my, my competition is with me and my body versus the music I hear in my soul that I want to get out. And so I play so much because I really love to do it that I have been able to maintain a higher level of chops for people my age than I watch my other friends, you know what I mean, who just kind of work a gig every now and then they get on the bandstand and you can see, you know, it's like, oh, they're having to deal with like just getting oriented. I don't have that problem. I'm there, you yeah. know. So, um, but now that this has happened, I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure where that goes, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I do play a lot. And, and I also do realize that I'm, the older I get, and I think you probably realize that even at your age, you realize you become more strategic. You, you, uh, you just do because it's wisdom. It's not necessarily that you're fighting the odds of gravity where your abilities are going down. But you just realize that to conservation of energy and strategy and using the things wisely is, gets better results. But then as you get older and your skills start to diminish, that element of the wisdom is what makes the difference of a, of a guy like a Dave Brubeck, you know what I mean, who could, into his 90s, still play his hits, still make the music work, and not really suffer from the diminishment of energy and chops right. that happens. Yeah. I just, it's, it's always very interesting to me, and I do, I would be lying if I said I don't worry, like, I, 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 I'm very concerned that I continue to play as much as I do because I know I know the thing that drives me more than anything else. Absolutely, my number one push button is is the trying to grow. I'm trying to be better, you know, tomorrow, yeah. today. If I didn't have that, then I think I'd I'd I'd, I'd go the other way because I've seen guys just yeah, it doesn't make sense to me sometimes to see where guys end up. You know, I mean, but really, I mean, back to something I said earlier, it's really a human thing, Josh. It's not even a music thing. Yeah. Um, the music isn't really in the notes and rhythms. The music's in our intention and in our intensity and in our imagination. And, you know, at least in the world of jazz, but I believe, you know, you're a jazz musician and, you know, whether it's blues or jazz, your ability to to deal with the situation with those, the three eyes, you know, imagination, intensity, you know, that's, you know, in, in, in integrity or intent, you know, 
if you've got that going, that's going to be the guiding light. You don't need chops for that. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have them, and we work on keeping them, but you don't need them. I mean, it's been proven. God, you know, I mean, Albert King, you know, I mean, how many times his, you know, listen to any moment in his career, and you that you get that. Yeah, it could put on anything ever, and I feel it. His ability it. throughout it, you know. Um, have you ever had yet anything that you reach for and you go, oh, I used to be able to do that? Like something that you felt go away? Not really, okay. but it's there. I'm sure it's there. I just, I you know what I mean? Remember, I, Bruce, remember when you were up in, um, where, was it Denver or something? And because the elevation? Okay, yeah, okay. That was different. I, I had hand cramps one day, but yeah. that's, that's not really the same thing because. No. Because that was, you know, I mean, that could have happened to me when I was, and and yes, I've got to be more careful as I get older to hydrate, especially in high elevations, you know. But that did happen, and that was a very much of a of a scary moment, you know, because it was the first time it had ever happened where I had to like go, well, these guys aren't working, the guitar ain't gonna happen right now, you know. I've had uh, it two times, and it was like trigger finger, and it was from from being dehydrated. It was both after super long flights, straight to a sound check, straight to a gig, sweat two hours on the gig, and it always it happened at the end of the gig. And I realized, wow, I haven't eaten or drank in twenty hours, you know. Right. <laughs> Damn. Right. And so so that that you know, but I mean in terms of yes, but it's like every I can't I can't remember a day where I everything I went for I couldn't get. I, I could get I could get. Okay. You know, I've, ne right. I've never Fair been enough. in that place where everything I wanted came to me. Gotcha. You know, so I'm always, I mean, from my point of view, <laughs> I'm in salvage. You know, I'm just trying to make what work will work. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's why you're so good because you, you're trying to make, if you already, you hear stuff you can't get. <laughs> you're trying I to go I, for I, what I, I can, you know, and, and, I, and I try to make the difference between the two. You know, it's like, I mean, and. That's what I do during the day when I'm just sitting in this room, yeah. you know, and no one's listening. It's no different. How, mean, how are you dealing with that, Josh, like wanting to get better and, and striving to improve? Like where do you focus on your playing to do that? Or um, I, I try to be with practice these days. It's always really targeted for me now. So it's like a very specific thing will pop into my head and I'll spend the week on that. Now they may that may mean only ten minutes a day. Right. But I'm gonna like focus on it for a whole week normally. And that was yeah, when there were gigs happening, then it was I immediately would take it on the bandstand and do it and then, then it's done. It's in my vocabulary, you know, it's a it's a thing and then, then it becomes natural. Without the gigs, I feel like yeah, I'm having to to like it's more like the way I practiced as a kid, which is weird mm -hmm. the last few months. Because I am still practicing, but I don't feel like I have it like it's not in there. I don't know if it's really in there yet. You that's, know what I mean? That's like as, a, as a becoming a bedroom player now, that's where I feel like I, I learn new stuff. And because I don't get to get on stage straight away, that shit disappears pretty quick. You know, if you're not writing it all the time, but as soon as you get on stage and you put it in, like you said, it's it gets in there. But yeah, like I, I so I gave all these lessons the last few weeks, and so 
it reminded me of things that I've let go over the years, you know, like, so we were going over melodic minor modes and it was like, well, I realized I only really use melodic minor and altered scale. You know what I mean? And it was like, oh, wait, I do like Lydian dominant. Let me get back into this shit. You know what I mean? And so I've, I've worked on that the last four days after these lessons, you know, because it was a reminder of, wait, I, I, I used to like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, it brings it all around, doesn't it? That's yeah. cool, man. Well, guys, Josh, I got to thank you so much, man, for jumping in last minute. We really appreciate it. That was super cool. Super, super cool. Always a pleasure to talk with you and um, super excited to see what happens next with all of us. <laughs> yeah, me the, too. What the fuck's going to happen? We have no idea. But, um, no. you know. Look forward to the day we can all hang out together and go to Salsa and Beer. Yeah, man. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no more baked potato gigs coming up at like streaming. Is that taking off? Is uh, it he hasn't made it again. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think everybody's waiting to get in there and stream now because <laughs> they all want to play so badly. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. Plus, uh, I think I will start streaming from here at the studio. Um, oh, I did take some of the time during this quarantine to kind of, it was always in my plans to put cameras all around the studio and get that together mostly to offer it to people who were here and I was producing their record. Like, Hey, I can video the entire sessions. You awesome. can have it, take it home. But now I've got it set where I could stream on a pretty high level and I've got cameras all over the place. So I'm investigating how I want, want to proceed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Is how's Justin Randy doing at baked potato? Well, I mean, they were very nervous to be honest, you know, about, what's going to happen the streaming was a necessity because you know i don't think they own the building i think they still have a lease so it's you know how long can you just hold on to something that brings in no income you know but um i think they can i guess as of now the last guideline change technically they can have 32 people in there if they wanted to oh really so like they asked me that night it was the first night it was allowed. And they were like, would you care if we said we were open? And I pulled the guys and I said, do you want 32 people in the club? They said they're allowed to open. And both guys were like, nope, nope, mm. let's just stream. So I don't know exactly how they're going to ease back into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and again, like I said before, these next week or two is going to be a real telltale into what's going to happen over the summer. Because if, if we if we kind of slide through this whole thing and there's no big spike, then we can kind of surmise that at least for the summertime until flu season is we've got a little respite here. Yep. Um, exactly. You know, and I, and and I don't think anybody wants to make a guess until we just see the numbers. You know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay safe, guys. We're still we're yeah. still knee deep in this shit. Right. So. But anyway, Josh, absolute Josh, pleasure, man. Say, to see you, man. Say good day to your dad for us, and um, yeah. yeah, we'll catch you real soon. And Bruce, always pleasure's all yours. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> my hands are visible. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much. All right. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye.